0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Rob Report on WDAY 701-293-9000 is your local number, 888-970-9329. As I speak to you, as by, as you hear my words, uh, they are things are getting pretty hot down in south-central North Dakota with the Dakota Access protests. Um, as I'm following the updates, it looks as though the uh, law enforcement is... Uh, is uh, moving in. Uh, I, I, I guess for those of you who uh, haven't been uh, haven't been following the um, the protesters that have been occupying uh, a stretch of highway, Highway 1806, uh, as well as some other public roads. Uh, they've roadblocked them. Uh, they're also camping on private land. And law enforcement yesterday went to them and said, you know, listen, we can't have you here. You can go back to the camps you've been using to date. Uh, You can exercise all the First Amendment you want there, but we can't have you blocking uh, public highways. We can't have you blocking public roads. We can't have you on private land where you're not welcome. Uh, Protesters said, basically, we're not leaving. Uh, We're going to stay where we're at. And so today, law enforcement is moving in, in force to move them out. They're in riot gear. They've got armored trucks, uh, which is understandable, given you know, uh, that the law enforcement are, are probably doing that for their own protection. The, uh, the protesters have lit a fire uh, that I could see. Um, I'm not sure why they lit a fire. Maybe it's because the smoke makes for a more dramatic backdrop for what they're doing. I have no idea. Police are currently putting that out, but that's where things stand now. Um, we're going to be bringing you updates, I'm sure, throughout the show, and I'm sure uh, Eric Johnson and, and the news uh, will bring uh, more updates there as well. Uh, so stay tuned. But right now we're going to talk to somebody who – was involved in, in in probably one of the incidents of the of the Dakota Axis protests that have gotten has gotten the most attention to date. Um, that was the incident with the dogs. Uh, Frost uh, Bob Frost from Frost Kennels um, was one of the uh, the dog handlers who were up here in North Dakota. Um, I'm sure we all saw the dogs. They were portrayed as as being set upon protesters. Uh, I don't think that's entirely accurate what happened. Uh, but we're going to talk with Mr. Frost. If you want to join the program, 701-293-9000 is a toll-free number. Or excuse me, that's the local number, toll-free number, 888-970-9329. You can email me as well, talk at WDAY.com, or send me a tweet, at Rob Port. Uh, Bob, thanks for your time
1: today. No problem.
0: So uh, the, the narrative or, or, or the story that we have heard about the Incident on back on September third uh, was essentially that you and and your fellow dog handlers. Uh, first of all, tell us how did you end up coming to North Dakota? Let's let's start there. How did how did it end up? Because you're not from North Dakota, you're from another state. How did you end up in North Dakota working uh, at the Dakota Access Pipeline construction site?
1: Yeah, so a third party contacted us for services, and that is how we. Ended up putting a quote in and getting the bid and went out and did the job.
0: So you you came up here. Uh, you had you had the dogs. You had the, the security. Um, now there are questions now of whether or not you were legally registered or licensed or what have you to to work in the state. Um, some I, I guess some charges being forwarded to uh, prosecutors here in the state regarding that. I mean, w- what was the status? I mean, is that something you guys addressed before you came to North Dakota to work?
1: Yeah, yeah. So for one, obviously we're not licensed in Ohio, but that's because we don't do security contracts in Ohio simply because I own a kennel and we train these kinds of dogs. And a majority of our Ohio clientele is some of these you know, law enforcement agencies or other security companies. So I make more money selling them 50 dogs a year than subcontracting out for local accounts. So all of our accounts we do are either out of the country or out of state through third parties, and when we do that, the third parties that are licensed then go ahead and take care of getting all of our guys' proper licenses and permits to work in the state where their contract currently is, and so then we fall under them under the subcontractors' agreement. So
0: when you came to North Dakota, um, I mean, were you aware? I mean, did you have that lined up where you felt like you were licensed? Yeah, everything
1: was lined up to be 100% fully licensed and 100% you know jet and legal
0: okay. so let's let's move on to the events that day because they've become almost sort of the part of the, the mythology around this, this protest which has gotten so much attention what happened that day I mean can you give us just a, a walk through of, of what it was like what you went through that day
1: yeah so okay where to start about midnight is when we found out we were even going out that night to begin with so we have about you know four in the morning we're up talking getting all our guys prepped and ready and you know everybody good to go because we've been waiting um so they were going to put up the new fence so you know the orders where we're, we were going to go stand inside of a fence a deterrent with the other security companies and our dogs and the security officers we're going to propose as a just you know a visual deterrent to keep them back on the other side of the fence instead of tearing down the fence and coming on the private property. So, you know, started out maybe 100 or 2 people, and then more and more came, you know, there's hundreds there by the end of it. You know, everyone's standing there, the dogs are there, they start tearing the fence down, which is when they called for us to get out and try and keep them back. You know, no orders to engage with the protesters. You know, was it able to be happening out of, you know, self-defense, or if we were threatened, absolutely. Um, You know, as far as Everything went there. So it started getting violent, you know, throwing stuff. Some knives were spotted, threatening to kill our dogs, kill the people. So the head security officer in charge of, that day of everything said, you know, let's go back. Let's get out of here and leave. It's getting too dangerous and violent. Um, everybody hopped in their truck. As we're going back up a hill, you know, down a hill across the little bridge, which is where most of the footage was shot at that bridge in the little side path. You know, we had one of the uh, oil workers on golf carts yelling at us to stop, get out of our trucks, help the guys. That's what we're there to do. And, you know, he was right. That is what we're there to do, to keep everything safe and peaceful as we could. So we got out, and the reason we stopped is, you know, we're looking back. There's three guys on the ground getting ambushed. Uh, you know, there's been pictures surfaced online. The guy at his truck where there's 30 people jumping on the around. He ended up in the emergency room. Several other guys were injured, so, you know, that's why we had stopped. One of our guys actually had to go in and help while there were protesters laying underneath tires of the other security officers' trucks to trap them in and damaging their vehicles. So, you know, that's why we did that, got everybody out. Uh, They were getting the equipment and everyone back. There were nine total people there. Not all of them were with us, but we had nine guys right there with hundreds of other protesters on the other side. That, again, had followed us at least a half a mile, still throwing stuff at us, sitting us with two-by-fours and wooden sticks and metal planks, like the metal T-posts that were holding the fence up around the property to begin with, were used as weapons. Uh, You know, the dog with the blood in his mouth, everyone's saying that it's protesters' blood and this and that. While, you know, a dog doesn't bleed like that from biting somebody, they would lick it up and it would all be gone. You look at some of the close-ups of it, you can see it clearly dripping down his nose. I actually personally have a photo of the you know, the female throwing the about a twelve pound log at the dog's head. Um, you know, but our dog's a bad dog for biting her, but she's allowed to give him a concussion, which she did go to the vet and had a concussion. You know, we have the vet papers on all that. So it, it was just wild. We weren't What'd you say? Well
0: let me let me stop you there and, and well let me let me stop you there and, and let's uh, let me ask you a few questions because At any point, did you and the dogs or or your personnel and the the dogs advance on the protesters?
1: No, no. We were all retreating. Like I said, we went back about a half a mile, up a hill, down a hill, and across the bridge. And there's hundreds and hundreds of more coming. You know, they brought horses in, trying to trample people with horses, you know, throwing any and everything they could find at us. Um, As far as watching on video and a dog biting or going forward, um, one dog engaged when the other one was, you know, in the neck, which is on video uh, where the dog was injured and had to, you know, be taken to the vets. So as far as that, you got, you know, five or six guys going in hitting the dog and the female handler. So the other handler brought his dog over to protect her so they could get to safety. So at the end of the day, contract or not, doing a job, being there, doing what you're doing, uh, it came Have You really were there and lived it in person It was more self-defense than anything. Like, if we didn't have dogs with us, I don't know how bad the damages would have been to the security officers.
0: So what you're saying is that the dogs, you you were initially there as a visual deterrent. You were there basically to be on the other side of the fence, uh, you know, to to tell the protesters, listen, there's there's people here uh, and you can't just come over here. When they came over, they they came at you, they were throwing things, according to you, they were attacking, uh, and then you then used the dogs to try to keep them back so that you and, and uh, the other p- pipeline personnel and security personnel could get out of the, the area. Is that is that accurate? Is that what happened?
1: Correct. Well, and it, they're like proof's in the pudding. So you see the start of the protest that happened down by a road. Then you see the scenes in the video where we're on the other side of a bridge where all the violence is happening. So clearly they pushed us back. We didn't push them back. But it got to the point we had to stop and just stand ground where the guys that got trapped in there would have never found their way out. I personally, when we got everybody back and we are doing a count, we were missing five guys and three vehicles. There was a state highway patrol plane above circling, kind of like getting our attention. So we started following them. They led us over an aerial path to go find the other trucks through the bison field, um, you know, that we were on. And we went and found the other trucks and vehicles, and they had all came back. Um, you know, we got them back to safety, and then we left. You know, the whole thing lasted about an hour. Seven zero one two nine
0: three nine thousand. Yeah, seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. If you want to join the program, I'm going to take a break. I'm talking with Bob Frost of Frost Kennels. Uh, anyone who's been following the Dakota Access protests knows about uh, the incident with the dogs. It's probably the most one of the most um, controversial uh, aspects or incidents, I guess, of this. This protest will continue after the break. Once again, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back. Rob report here on WDAY. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com or hey, tweet me at Rob Port. Um, talking with uh, Bob Frost, Frost Kennels. You remember the uh, the dog incident with the Dakota Access Pipeline protest? Well, it was it was his dogs. It was his dog handlers. He was there. If you got any comments or questions, <coughs> uh, certainly call in or uh, send them our way. Um Bob, tell us, I mean, obviously, there's there's been a lot written and, and published on social media and, and in the traditional media about that day. If, from your perspective, what's the thing? And, th- and this is the first time you've spoken to the media, right? I mean, this is the first time you've, you've really spoken out, correct?
1: Yeah, we had a talk with a Scene Magazine for a few, but they just misconstrued everything and did what they wanted to do, so five minutes of fame. But this is the first actual like one-on-one what's, conversation what's, what's... with our story.
0: What's what's the thing that yeah? What's what's the thing that everybody's missing? I mean, from your perspective, what's in terms okay, of what so happened with this protest? so my theory is anybody can judge a book by
1: a cover, but you don't know the book till you read it. So same with the media event. Anybody can watch videos that have been cut and paste of ten minutes when it lasted an hour and judge you on that ten minutes. But like I told everyone that wanted to call and threaten my lives, my family's lives, my employees' lives, that who are you to judge me if you weren't there? Um, anybody in the right mind that was out doing a job or not even a job that had nine people and 400 people were coming at you or more, I, how are you going to act when people are attacking you in self-defense? I mean, if you went onto a rancher or anybody's property with that kind of force, you know, a private property, which they were on, you'd probably get shot and, you know, just being realistic. So what makes me mad is the fact that we're the bad guys and a dog bit of female you know, and, and, hey, I'm sorry, you know, no child was bit like they proclaimed. Um, so we got a lot of heat from that. Um, as far as biting a female, I, I mean, you know, there's no sex that one person's a criminal or not a criminal. You know what I mean? It, just because you're a female doesn't, you know, justify you allowed to commit criminal activity and trespass and assault animals and people. Um, you know, we weren't there for that reason. You know, we were there strictly to be parent, and it just turned into a riot.
0: After that, after that incident, what happened? I mean, after it, you, you got out of there, it calmed down, did you guys leave the state? I mean, do, do you are Yeah, you we still left the state next day. There
1: were the like bounties, bounties on our bounties. head. Obviously, you've seen the wanted posters, uh, you know, trying to get us and everything. And, you know, all the death threats that came in. Um, you know, obviously the false reviews online and everything else that had happened. So, like I said, we weren't there to do what happened. But, you know, when you're getting charged by 400 people, are you going to, you know, sit there and, you know, get the snot beat out of you, or you're going to defend yourself. And I'm not, you know, I'm going to defend myself. I got kids to come home to.
0: 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329, talking with Bob Frost of Frost Kennels. Uh, and I apologize, we have a little bit of a delay between us, so that's why we're getting a little bit of a crosstalk sometimes. Um, Bob, any any plans uh, to do? I mean, will you be coming back to North Dakota at all? Are you going to be doing any more work up here?
1: No, no, no plans
0: to. All right. Well, certainly thank you for your time. Appreciate it. And, uh, uh, you know, st- stay safe. And I, I guess if there's any other updates, please keep us in the
1: loop. Yep, we'll do. Absolutely.
0: All right. That's Bob Frost from Frost Kennels. Uh, obviously, probably one of the most notorious uh, incidents of, of the, the protest. Um, you know, it's it's uh, being overshadowed a little bit uh, now. Um you know, I'm, I'm just reading a, a tweet right now from a Bismarck Tribune uh, reporter, Carolyn Gruskin. Uh, she she says, I quote in her in, on Twitter, uh, "One man just told me he is ready to die for the cause as construction as uh, construction continues across the road. He says prayer isn't working. Um, you know, police are, are clearing debris uh, off the road down there. And uh, listen, here's here's the here's the issue." Um, Let's, let's be clear about what's happening down there today. This didn't have to happen. And the people that made the choice for this to happen today, because law enforcement doesn't have a choice. Law enforcement has to enforce the law. If you're blocking a public highway, if you are camping on someone's property who doesn't want you there, then police have to act. Law enforcement has to act. That's their job. Now, they went to the protesters, and they have repeatedly offered them an opportunity to end this peacefully. And the protesters have said no. The protesters have said, no, we're, we're, we're not going to do it. We're going to stay here. And so I have some theories about why they're doing this. I have some thoughts about why it is they're picking this fight. They're, they're picking a path that can only lead, only lead to conflict with law enforcement. And we'll get to that in the next segment. Just finished up our interview with Bob Frost from Frost Kennels. Um, certainly, uh, again, one of the, one of the most uh, notorious incidents, uh, got a ton of attention in terms of uh, the dogs being used. He said that they were attacked. He said they were on the other side of the fence. They were on private property. The protesters broke down the fence. The protesters drove them back. They were trying to get away. They were using the dogs to hold people off. He says it was a self-defense situation. And honestly, based on all the evidence, and, and we're now you know well over a month away Almost going on two months away from that incident I think they're right and, and that has been one of the problems With this protest from day one Is they work very hard to create a media narrative In their favor And there's a lot of people in the media Who want to go along with that Because it fits their politics It fits with how they want to see the world But the protesters are creating the problem down here This isn't about a pipeline anymore if they, want to, if they want to oppose a pipeline, they had plenty of avenues available for that. They had a regulatory process they could have engaged in. They have a court process that they've already lost in, at least uh, lost uh, two losses. Uh, the battle's ongoing. But they're not doing that. Instead, they're behaving illegally. They're hurting other people. And that should be unacceptable to everybody, however you feel about the pipeline. 701-293-9000, 970 9329 More to come. Straight ahead. Don't go away. Welcome back. Rob report on WDAY 701-293-9000, 888 The latest update from the Dakota Access protests: It sounds like protesters, uh, they're, they're crossing a fence onto an active construction site uh, where that's, that's where the tribe claims there are sacred sites. Remember, there's already a pipeline there. They say that there's sacred sites there that have been uh, destroyed or graves or whatever. Uh, also, that's where the, the confrontation with the dogs happened. And, of course, we just got done interviewing Mr. Bob Frost of uh, Frost Kennels. Uh, we'll have that audio up on the blog uh, later today, sayanythingblog.com. So here's as, – as as the drama, I guess, unfolds in south-central North Dakota, and, and we'll find out, I guess, later today what the outcome of all that is, um, or maybe tomorrow. I don't know how long it's going to last. Uh, here, here's why I think that they're doing this. Um And the protesters are doing this because they're losing the argument on the pipeline. Um, Last night, Standing Rock Chairman David Archambault, who is not, by the way, in North Dakota currently, to uh, help with peaceful negotiations between the tribes in the state of North Dakota. He's not here acting as a leader for his movement to try to keep the peace, which he has claimed all along is what he wants. No, he's in he's in New York. He was on MSNBC last night with Lawrence O'Donnell talking about how evil oil is, which is an ironic thing to say for somebody who owns a gas station, which Chairman Arshimbo does. He owns the cannonball pit stop and sells gasoline and profits from it, I'm assuming. But oil is evil, I guess. Anyway, he was on MSNBC last night and he said something I thought was was very revealing. Uh, he said he, he claimed that the protest movement has not been getting enough, um, has not been getting enough attention, uh, which is a little hard to believe, given that it's been getting a lot of attention. But he says it's not been getting enough. And the only time it it gets enough attention uh, or gets more attention is when, uh, you know, essentially uh, something bad could happen. And that's a quoting from him directly. He said When something bad could happen. So uh, here's here's what I'm thinking is happening. The protesters are trying to make something bad happen. They want something bad happen. They, They want rioting. They want violence. They want anything but peaceful because that makes headlines. And they want to make North Dakota law enforcement out to be the bad people. Because that makes headlines. That is, a, that is a narrative that the media is, is used to. That is a, a narrative that, that many journalists will eat up with a spoon unquestioningly. And it's a lot more convenient for them than talking about the facts of the pipeline, which is a debate that they're losing. They are losing the pipeline debate based on the facts. They say that the pipeline is dangerous, and yet our country is crisscrossed with pipelines. Our rivers all over the country are crisscrossed with pipelines. They say that they routed it south of Bismarck instead of north of Bismarck to protect the white people of Bismarck, but not the Standing Rock Reservation, which ignores the fact that there are already pipelines which cross upstream from Bismarck, cross the Missouri River upstream from Bismarck, and also ignores the fact that by taking this particular pipeline, taking the more southerly route south of Bismarck, uh, precludes about two dozen more water crossings. There's actually fewer water crossings for the pipeline by taking the southern route instead of going north of Bismarck. That's directly from the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers report. By the way, it's also a shorter pipeline if they take that route. So it's a safer pipeline by taking that route something you would think quote unquote water protectors would appreciate so that's that's the situation that they're in they have lost in court they lost in the in the uh, united states uh, district court for the uh, district of columbia washington dc they lost there in front of an Obama-appointed federal judge, James Bozberg, who noted that they did not make their case for an injunction and that they did not participate fully in the process. As a matter of fact, Judge Bozberg noted that many times the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers tried to bring the Standing Rock tribe to the table, and the tribe didn't come. The Army Corps of Engineers would set meetings with the tribe, and the tribe would change the time at the last minute and not tell the Army Corps of Engineers people. Now, these facts are all devastating for the people who don't want to build pipelines, for the people who don't want us to use oil. Because the truth is, is we know how to build pipelines safely in this country. The truth is that there was a fair process that the Standing Rock tribe could have engaged in more fully had they chosen to, and they chose not to. That was a choice the tribe made. They are a sovereign nation. Nobody from the state of North Dakota, nobody from the federal government can go down on the, on the reservation and force them to participate. They make their, those choices, not anybody else. So what's happened is, is, is that the tribe has partnered with environmental extremists who don't want us to use oil, who don't want us to, 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 to use uh, um, pipelines. It's part of a, the, the keep it in the ground movement. They think that by obstructing this sort of infrastructure, they could stop oil development. So they've partnered with these people. The problem is, is that on the facts, they lose the argument on the pipeline. So now instead of continuing to have a debate about the pipeline, now they're trying to instigate chaos and instigate confrontations with law enforcement. They're going to pick a fight with law enforcement because they feel like that's an easier debate to have and then we can all squabble over whether or not the cops were too rough with the protesters or whatever. And it's 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 really amazing. If if you watch some of these live videos that are on Facebook or whatever, if you watch them carefully, it's like they're following a script. I mean, today when the when when the police started when the police line started getting close coming down the highway and they're getting close to the barricades that they set up across the public highway, they lit fire to a bunch of, of, of tires and hay that they had built on the highway. Like, like they, they had created a bonfire. When police got close, they lit it. And the only thing, it made me think of, like, a movie set, right, where they're using, like, a smoke machine in the background to create a, a more dramatic backdrop. I mean, that's what they're doing. And it really worked because now all the, all the photos and all the video and everything we're getting out of the protests along there has these, like, big clouds of black smoke in the background. I mean, it's, it's really sort of amazing. It's almost like they have movie producers down there stage managing this stuff. And if you watch very carefully, the protesters, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll sort of posture in their confrontations with the law enforcement. They're posing for the cameras. They're playing for the cameras. I, I'll tell you what's really scary is if you were a member of, of North Dakota law enforcement and you're down there right now, Think of the situation you're in. You you are tasked with taking a bunch of belligerent, intransigent, political extremists and either getting them to stop doing the illegal activity that they're doing, which is blocking a public highway, or arresting them. All the while, you have an army of, of both traditional journalists and political propagandists masquerading as journalists, Live streaming it, taking photos, tweeting, Facebook posts, just waiting for you to do something that either is actually stupid or or, or maybe could just be made to appear to look stupid or or, or to look uh, uh, maybe a little bit uh, over the line or or too too tough with a protester or whatever. They're just, they're just waiting for you to screw up. They're, they're waiting to do something so that they can identify you, a law enforcement officer, so that maybe the next day your face ends up on cable television or your face ends up on social media all over the place. I mean, that's that's what the men and women of North Dakota law enforcement and the other law enforcement from from the other state. I think there's something like 11 states now down there as well. That's what they're dealing with. And can you imagine how frightening that is? They're just trying to do their jobs. These are not Nazis. These are not racists. These are not people who want to be spending their Thursday in the middle of a highway with a bunch of of, of hipster protesters dragging them off the highway. That's not what they wanted to do. North Dakota law enforcement, the law enforcement officials, gave these protesters the opportunity to leave multiple times at any point. They could have stopped their illegal activities and left. They chose confrontation. It, it really sort of drives me nuts. As I read a lot of the, the media reports right now, it's, it's talking about how law enforcement is moving in on the protesters. Law enforcement is beginning to engage with the protesters. And it makes it sound like law enforcement is the aggressors. When the original provocative act was blocking the state highway, was trespassing on private land, actions they knew full well, would put them in conflict with law enforcement, and they did them anyway. Because, again, I think conflict is what they want because they're losing the pipeline argument. What do you think? 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. Going to take a break. More to come straight ahead. Talk at WDAY.com is the email. Tweet me at Rob Port. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Rob Report, you're listening to the Rob Report. I got a ton of emails to get to seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, let's see, Dwight emails. I've heard they are scheduled to get rural water in the next uh, year or two. Can you confirm? He's talking about Standing Rock. Uh, they're actually they've got water currently. Uh, from the Missouri River, they have an intake valve currently at Fort Yates, which is just a few miles downstream from where the pipeline would cross. Although remember, the pipeline would be about 90 feet under the, the, the surface of the, the river. Uh, that's actually being moved about 70 miles south to, uh, Mobridge, South Dakota. The, the intake at Mobridge is already, uh, operational. Uh, they've actually, uh, they I think the only thing they gotta do is they gotta finish building a pipeline of all things, a water pipeline, uh, up north to, uh, to serve the northern part of the reservation. The Mowbridge intake already serving the, uh, the southern part of the reservation. Uh, let's see. Another emailer. Uh, what a beautiful day for a good old fashioned hippie kicking. Pity I am not there to see it. Come on. I, I don't want violence on any side of this. It's, it's, you know, this doesn't have to be violent. It didn't need to be violent. Unfortunately, the protesters picked this route, um, and it's it's going to end up being as as violent as the protesters want it to be. Um, you know, the, the law enforcement law enforcement's in the position where they have to react. They have a job to do, and, and they're going to do it one way or the other. Uh, I hope the protesters, you know, most of them leave peacefully. It doesn't look like that's happening. Uh, Larry emails, Rob, just wondering if Chairman Arshambeau's service station's underground tanks are in compliance with federal reg- regulations. Or are they exempt due, the, due to his being on a reservation? I'm sure there's regulations. In fact, I think they're federal regulations. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I don't own a service station. But I don't have any reason to believe that his uh his tanks aren't in compliance. I'm not sure why we would even think that. Uh, Let's see. uh, Steve emails, the other issue was that the pipeline was encroaching on sacred ground. Archaeologists have stated that the bones found were that of animals, not humans. Yeah, that was a walkthrough, actually, last week. They found a bone, and it uh, turned out to be an animal bone. Uh, Steve says, uh, of the burning, the fires at the protest site right now, it's either tires or some sort of oil-based product, wood burns gray or white. I would love to know the environmental impact this fire is causing. You know, actually, I think burning tires is actually illegal in north dakota because of the environmental impact imagine that they're burning tires down at the protest site now because that black smoke boy it creates a nice backdrop for all that all that rioting hey jay thomas show straight ahead remember you can catch me here 1 to 2 p.m or 24 hours a day seven days a week at sayanythingblog.com thanks for listening we'll talk again